Okay, hey guys, welcome to Vintage. It's good to be, um, well actually I, I come here, so um, I just changed seats this morning, but I'll change with any of you if you want to hop up and do this for me. That's, um, so um, uh, a lot of us don't know each other. My name's Henry, and I'm a psychologist actually, and um, I don't know why your phone's ringing, if we could... Yeah, well, let's put it on speaker and find out who this is. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm a psychologist, and, and there's, um, you know, usually they call me into the truly dysfunctional places. I think it's not you guys. I think it's Gare. I think that's, I think that's why they did this. So I'm not taking any um, responsibility for the results there. Anyway, no, we love Gare, who is... Um, you know, I uh, I just love coming to Vintage. I love to hear the teaching. I love the community and the worship, and it's a great place. So um, I'm always grateful to be here. A um, little bit about today. We are in the the end of a series, as most of you know, on Proverbs. And um, Proverbs is this great collection that God has given us of wisdom. It's part of the wisdom literature segments of the Bible, and their principles for living. Now, um, so, you know, I've been a believer for a long time, and I'm also a clinician. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I work with people, you know, in all walks of, of life and all the way from leaders and CEO and high performer types to just, you know, normal folks like, like most of us. And what happened early on with me is after I was was into clinical training and had been working, you know, a lot of experience by that time. I went back to the Bible and I kind of started over with different with different lenses. You know, you a lot of times we have this Christianese stuff in our heads and you learn all these, you know, sort of like we kind of think, or at least I did, you know, well, this is kind of what the Bible says. And the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and you hear all this. Well, I went back after a few years, um, and I started over, and I read it again, but this time with the eyes of my clinical work and a lot of experience, and all I know to tell you at that time um, was that I was born again, again, because for the first time in my life, I started to see the Bible not as just kind of the, you know, the spiritual text that we know it, but what God says that a lot of its purpose is as well is that he has given us ways of living that come from the designer of life itself. And you go all the way back to Deuteronomy when Moses came off the hill and they say, Why are you, what's all this stuff you've given us? You know, these laws and regulations. And basically what he said was he said, God, look, we were, we were slaves in Egypt. God brought us out, and that's the first thing God does in our lives. He, he will rescue us from wherever we are. But then he says he gave us these ways so that we might walk in them and always prosper. And that word there, that, that the picture, you know, it's not always that, you know, the Rolls Royce is going to show up in your driveway or something, but the word is a wholeness of life. It's a goodness that... He's given us principles, and if we, certainly bad things are going to happen in a fallen world, and, and, you know, bad people happen to good people, and stuff happens, 
But there's this direction that Proverbs gives us and all of the scriptures give us. And I begin to see that. And particularly today, we're going to hop into one little area of um, a big problem that you guys have. How many of you have a problem? Did you bring that person with you this morning? Okay. So how many, who in here, I always ask this, who in here doesn't have any problems? Okay. Now, I'd like for you to stand. So I'm kidding. Because I, usually I do like, you know, the person with zero problems to stand because everybody else needs to kind of see what denial looks like, you know, in the flesh. We all do, right? We all have problems. But let me tell you your biggest problem, probably, if you're here this morning, um, is that you're probably a pretty loving and responsible person. How many of you would say you're, for the most part, you know, you're pretty loving and responsible? Here's your problem if you're a loving and responsible person that loving and responsible people make routinely. The problem is that you assume that everybody's like you in the particular area we're going to talk about this morning. And that particular area is that what happens if you hurt somebody's feelings or you, your work is not exactly what your boss wants it to be in some area or you, know, you do something that somebody they found hurtful or whatever. What happens? Well, the person comes to you and they say, you know, that kind of hurt when you, or I wish you would do this differently, or I could be, I think I could be closer to you if we would just, and they give you feedback, and what do you do as a loving and responsible person? You probably go, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to do that, I don't want to, thanks for telling me, I didn't want to, you know, and you receive the feedback, and you change your behavior, and you apologize, and then you move on. Now, here's the problem. You can't think everybody's like you. Because as we're going to see in both the psychiatric research as well as the scriptures, point out that there are basically kind of three categories of behavior and sometimes three categories of people. I don't like labeling people, but sometimes people do kind of act in patterns that we can kind of say they're more like this more of the time. But at least three different categories of behavior that we're going to see. And they all have to do with this one issue, and that's the tool I want to leave you with this morning. The issue is the ability for you to know who am I dealing with right now? Who is this person in the type of behavior that they're giving me right now? And once I can figure that out, then I'm going to know what to do because everybody's not the same and every situation's not the same and we don't treat all people diff- or the same. Some, sometimes different contexts call for different measures, as Proverbs is going to show us. You know, I've always been amazed since that that wake-up call I got about the scriptures and and the wisdom about how great they are to show us these things, as we're going to see. But I remember one morning, to uh, illustrate this, how rich rich the book of Proverbs is. I was was on a cross-country flight, and the last thing you want to do, if you're a psychologist on an airplane... 
is when you get the question that you always get, what does everybody say? So what do you do? You don't want to say you're a psychologist because there goes your four hours of quiet time. I mean, it's gone, right? So usually I say, um, I write books about Jesus. You want to talk? And the newspaper goes up, you know, like that. But on this particular day, I was off my game, and I said, yeah, I, I'm a psychologist. And this, and this lady goes, oh, my gosh, I, I, I got to talk to you about my boyfriend. I go, okay, here we go. I said, so what's going on with your boyfriend? She says, well, we just broke up, and I'm devastated. I'm so depressed, and, and I don't know what to do. But, every, you know, every time I break up, then I get depressed, and I miss him so much, and, and then I go back. But the same thing happens again, and then we have to break up again, and I just keep going back. And then I said, well, why do you have to break up? And she says, because of his anger. She says, he just gets so angry. I just can't. I said, well, when does he get angry? And she says, kind of when I don't do what he wants. I said, he gets angry whenever you don't do what he wants. She says, you know, pretty much. That's what it is. I said, what do you do? She said, well, I know, how to, I know how to make him not angry. I just kind of give in, and then things are fine until I don't. Then it all happens again. It's really hurtful, and I break up. And I said, well, you know, there's an old saying. If you rescue an angry man, you're only going to have to do it again tomorrow. She looked at me and says, say that again? I said, if you rescue an angry man, you're only going to have to do it again tomorrow. In other words, if you give in to it and appease him and walk on eggshells and do it, you're only going to have to do it again tomorrow. She goes, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what's happening. Where did you get that? I said, it's in the Bible, Proverbs 19, 19. You ought to check it out sometime. She goes, that's in the Bible? I said, yep, it is. That's one of the things that I want us to be reminded of this morning. There's so much in here. You can go get five PhDs, you know, in character disorders, and they're going to tell you, if you rescue an angry man, you're only going to have to do it again tomorrow. And God's given us us that in his word. So the diagnostic that we're looking at today is how do you tell what kind of behavior you're dealing with? And there are three categories. There's wise behavior, foolish behavior, and evil behavior. And what the Bible says is that these patterns are very distinguishable, but they also have different responses and different answers that are required. So let's hop into it. What is a wise person? A wise person, according to the scriptures, is not necessarily the smartest person in the room, not, maybe not the highest IQ, maybe not the most gifted, the most talented. A wise person, according to Proverbs and other places we see in the scriptures, is defined by this. When the light shows up, when the truth shows up, the wise person listens receives it, and here's the kicker, they adjust themselves or their behavior to the light. So if we're walking along, you step on my toe, I say, gosh, that hurt, can you walk a little? 
you go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, let me, here, let me walk a little. And see, when we get feedback, that's good feedback, okay? The wise person listens to feedback, takes it, owns their behavior, corrects themselves, and here's what Proverbs says happen, says happens. It says, correct a wise person, and they will get wiser still. They will get better still, and they will love you for it. Correct a wise person, and they will love, love you for it. You hear this from people with good hearts all the time. You give them feedback, you say, thank you for telling me that. I, I really didn't see that I'd do that. I'm sorry. Really appreciate that you... See, that's what wisdom does. And then people grow. I remember I was doing a... Um, I did a, a retreat with a bunch of pastors one time, sort of these, you know, kind of like, you know, big name types that have these big movements and stuff. And it's hard for them a lot of times to find a safe place where they can process life. And so they'll, you know, create one because everybody's kind of looking to them all the time and stuff like that. And so we did this little retreat. And there were about seven or eight of them. And they invited this one younger pastor that, that was starting some things that they wanted to build into, kind of mentor him. And so we were all there, and the first night, you know, I sat down and I said, well, just why don't we start with everybody just kind of share a little bit about where you are and what's going on with you and why you wanted to come. And the first guy goes, well, I wanted to come because I'm really in a pretty tough time. He said, my wife hasn't spoken to me for six months. And we all kind of leaned in and said, man, that's brutal. And he told us a little bit more about it. Second one said, well, I'm in a pretty tough time also. Um, the guy I started the church with just uh, picked up and moved down the street and took half the church with him and started another church. And we're right in the middle of a building campaign. And I really feel betrayed. And he, you know, split the church. And the next one talked about um, that he was struggling in a particular kind of pattern of behavior that he needed to stop. And another one said he had, you know, whatever the issue was. So we get down to the young guy, and I said, so, so why are you here? What do you hope to get out of the next couple of days? He said, man, I, I, I'm done. I can go home. I'm done. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he said I got it. I got what I need. I feel way better. <laughs> I said, well, he said, these are all my heroes. And I found out they're as screwed up as I am. I feel so good right now. But here's what happened. The next day, he starts to tell his story. And one of the, one of the older, experienced guys <laughs> looks him in the eye and he says, he says, do you want a little feedback? you mind if I give you a little feedback about that? And you could tell it wasn't going to be, you know, you're awesome, you get a trophy. And I'll never forget this. I don't know why it stuck in my head, but this young guy, when that guy said, do you want a little feedback on that? A little critical eye, a little... This young guy, I, it was like a reflex. He leans and he goes, yeah, man, give me a gift. That's what we're talking about. A non-defensive openness and a desire, like David says in Psalm 139, God, search me and know me. See if there's any hurtful way in me. 
and lead me in the way of the everlasting. That's a wise person. So what, do, you know, what does it look like? Well, they love it. Thank you. Correct a wise person, they'll love you for it. They're grateful. Thank you for telling me that. That'll help me be better. They adjust their behavior when they get good feedback. They own the behavior. They change. They also have empathy for the consequences of what they're doing. Say, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Sorry I hurt you. You know, whatever it is, you can see the empathy and change. Now, not all feedback is useful. You guys know this, right? Remember, right after Tori and I got married, um, we got back from the honeymoon and we're going out to dinner. And I, I learned something being married that, that women, I don't mean to be sexist, but at least I only had a, you know, a sample of one right there I was looking at. <laughs> they actually put thought into what they're going to wear before they go out. No, I'm serious. They really think about it. Like I, when I was single, I mean, you know, there's a pulse. Yeah, I'll wear that. That's fine. You know, but she's like, and, and so she comes in and she says, she goes, she says, what do you think about this dress? And I said, it's great. She goes, eh, I think it's a little, it's kind of chilly tonight. I think it's a little too warm. I said, whatever. She goes back out. She comes saying, what do you think about this one? I said, oh, definitely, you know, it's not too warm. It's light. She goes, no, the color is, it's just not right with, and she disappears. She comes back. I said, she goes, what do you think about this? I said, the color is amazing. It's definitely not too heavy or light. She goes, I think it's a little too formal for the, she disappears. She comes back. She's, I said, stop. I said, why do you ask me? She goes, what are you talking about? I said, why do you ask for my feedback if you're, you're not going to do it? She goes, just because I want your opinion doesn't mean I have to do it. It's called boundaries. You wrote the book. <laughs> Not all feedback <laughs> is useful, nor do you just succumb. But what we're talking about here is a general pattern of our openness. And where I'd like to start is two things here with this, this part of it, and that is the Bible also says, that we can't even see clearly to deal with other people till we get the log out of our own eyes. So the first application of this is, God, am I open to feedback? So let's all just kind of write that down in our notes. And I'll tell you a great way to find this out. Go ask the people who give you feedback. One of the things I like to do with, with leaders and their teams is I like to give them an assignment. I want you to to take somebody you work closely with, say, can we go have coffee? And sit them down and say, okay, I got a question for you. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to... I just want to ask you one question. What's it like to be on the other side of me in our relationship? What's it like to be on the other side of me? And just listen. It's good to do in a marriage. It's going to do with our kids. But what does it feel like? See, sometimes we've got our own kind of, you know, either defensiveness or whatever, or woundedness that keeps us from doing that. So the first application is, God, help me to be open. Help me to be somebody that listens. It doesn't mean that I have to necessarily agree all the time, but I do want to have an openness 
to assimilate new data and maybe even accommodate it, if it fits. So here's what the Bible says you do with a wise person. If you're on the other end of that and you find somebody you're giving feedback to and they listen and they're open and they go, tell me more. I want to learn more. Give me a gift. How can I do better? I'm sorry. You know what it says do with that person? Keep talking about problems. That's how we get better in marriage, communicating, in dating, communicating. In parenting, communicating, in work, communicating. See, that's that's what we do. We we just kind of, you know, we kind of give each other. You know, I could be closer to you if you do that, or would you do this, or I could think, you know, just talk, 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 talk. Because if somebody's listening, talking's a good thing. So the prescription is process life, talk about stuff. Matthew eighteen says, if somebody hurts you, what do you do? Now, we're not talking about the category that Gary was talking about last week. I think it was last week. About sometimes it's it's the best thing to overlook a little offense or to overlook an offense because we're after a bigger goal with that person. That's not the hill I want to die on. I'm after a bigger redemptive cause here. But sometimes there are patterns that do need to be addressed. And Scripture always helps us understand Scripture. So in Matthew 18, what does it say? It says, if somebody hurts you, sins against you, go to them in private and do exactly what we're talking about here. Give them that feedback. So let's talk to them. And then it says, if, if they listen, there's your diagnostic. If they listen, then you've won them over and you move on. Now here's the great thing. In fact, if you're single, I tell single people all the time, you know, I say, what, do you, what are the flags to look for in a relationship? How do I know? Should I? Well, one of them is, what do they do with this? When you give them feedback, something didn't feel good. Do they listen? It's great. You know, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. That's a pretty good swine test to have in your handbag. Say no to somebody and see if they like it. Or give them some feedback and see if they listen. Okay, so what do we do? We talk to people like this. It works. Now, we got a second category. It's called not wise, but foolish. So what is a foolish, or what? Is, let's just... You know, let's kind of create a category here. Now, I'm not saying everybody's this and this and this. What I, what I really believe is all of us have kind of segments of all three of these in us that can be activated at any point. Some of us get defensive at times. Some of us will listen at times. Sometimes we do get kind of, you know, destructive fantasies when we're really hurt or whatever. But by and large... You know, we want to end up in the listening category. But you got this second category that Proverbs refers to as a fool or a mocker. Now, this is the person, you know, the wise person did what? Owned their behavior, listened, corrected, thanked you. They're grateful. Fool is exactly the opposite. Whereas a wise person, you, when the light comes to them, they adjust themselves to the light. The fool, when the light comes to them or the truth comes to them, They don't adjust themselves. They turn down the lights. They adjust the light, meaning they're going to do something with the feedback 
to make it wrong. How do you do that? You minimize it. Well, I didn't really do that. That's not true. You invalidate it. You get defensive. Or you turn on the messenger. You have somebody feel, well, that's because you, and it's immediately, I like to say to people, I'm sorry, I thought we were talking about you. Would you like to change the topic to me and then we can get back to you? Because that defensiveness that immediately turns it back. So there's a lack of ownership. There's a lack of even openness. There's an immediate defensiveness like a trigger. Minimizing, gaslighting. You've heard the term gaslighting, for example. You know, blaming, excusing. But nothing even close to listening. As... The marriage researcher Gottman has shown one of the four behaviors that predicts to a 93% accuracy, I think. They can listen to a couple talk for 15 minutes and within 15 minutes predict with a 92 or 3% accuracy whether or not that couple will be divorced in seven years. And one of the behaviors is this one. 90-something percent accuracy. Researched over gazillions of cases over many decades. I mean, how do you make a marriage better if you can't talk? And if something's hurting, and somebody says that hurts, and immediately there's defensiveness, well, then you're stuck with the hurt, right? So here's the characteristics. Remember I said, correct a wise person, and they'll be wiser still. Here's what Proverbs says. Rebuke a fool, correct a fool, and they will mock you for it. Now, I won't go through all the Proverbs to talk about this behavior. It would be interesting, you know, when you go home, just do a little word search through Proverbs on either fool or mocker, and you'll see a list of behaviors. Correct a mocker, and they will hate you for it. Correct a mock, do not correct a mocker, lest you incur insults upon yourself. They'll get defensive. They'll externalize it. They'll minimize it. They'll blame. The problem's never in the room. Why didn't you get this? Well, you know, it wasn't us. It was the marketing department. If they had done this, or there's always a if they, or something outside. It's hard to solve a problem when the problem's never in the room. It's always somebody else. You can't get better. I mean, think of an airplane. Airplane's got a feedback system. Think of pilots flying to New York, you're on a heading, and it gives a little feedback, say, you know, you keep going this direction, you end up in Miami. Well, that's not true. Well, you, I mean, who made that compass anyway? See, that's how dumb this is. That's why the Bible calls it foolish. So here's what's interesting. Here's where I said you got a problem. Your problem is feedback works with you. So you think it's going to help with everybody. So what do you do? You talk about a problem. And then what do they do? They negate it or minimize it. And then you go, okay, well, maybe if I bring it up again. I've literally had people call. I do a call-in show every day. And I've had people call in and say, I, I've been talking to my, you know, spouse about the and, and he won't he or she won't listen and and i keep and i keep how can i say it where they'll they'll really get it i go well, how many languages do they speak i mean you've said it 
14,000 ways. I think if they were open to listening, you would have heard it. They would have heard it by now. See, we're talking, it's not how you say it most of the times, even though that can play in. We need to learn to communicate in love. But it's whether or not we're actually talking to anybody that's listening, whether they're on the network. I mean, some of you have maybe AT&T or Sprint or Verizon or T-Mobile or whatever. You just can't log on to the wrong network. <laughs> you can't get them to hear if there's no ears. And sometimes people have, for whatever reason, variety of reasons, they're not in a place where they're listening. So what does it look like? Well, defensive. You know, I've listed all of that. But what do you do? Does that mean a fool or somebody giving foolish behavior is unworkable? Does that mean we get rid of the relationship? No, not at all. Does it always mean that? There are great, there's great hope for fools. Great hope. But it doesn't come from continuing to do the same thing, expecting different results. And that's where Proverbs gives us wisdom. What did I say do with a wise person? You give them feedback. What do you do with a fool? You stop giving feedback. Why? Nobody's listening. Correct a wise person, they'll be wiser still. Correct a fool, what are you going to get? Defensiveness, all this kind of stuff. So what do you do? Well, we stop talking about problems. Well, you say, I got to live with it all the time? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you need a different tool. And it's not talking. So we have a different kind of conversation. Instead of saying, you know, Joey, I've talked to you a lot about, you know, your drinking when it gets out of hand and you start to get angry or your anger or the drugs or the kind of whatever it is, work issues, somebody on your team. You know, we've talked about that a lot, and I just want to tell you, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be bothering you with that anymore. I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about a different problem. I'm not going to talk about those problems that we've talked about. The problem I want to talk about is this, that talking about problems with you doesn't help. When I try to tell you this is hurting, when I try to tell you it's hurting the team, or when I try to tell you, I can't, I can't get you to hear it. Is there a way that I could tell you that you would hear it? You can make that appeal. So I'm not confronting anymore. Now I'm inviting them. I need a way to give you feedback so that you can hear it. Is there a way? Now, rarely will somebody say, no, there's no way you, I'm listening to anything. And they might. But usually they'll say yes. But then when it doesn't happen, see, that's where you have to prepare for that and say, okay, well, I'll try that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to continue to try to talk about this problem. I can't stop you from doing, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to have, rage attacks or you're going to do this or you're going to do whatever. I can't make you stop 
I can't, I can't make you change. But what I can do is I can limit my exposure to it. So if you do that, I'm going to end the conversation and we can try again another time or I'm going to go in another room or I'm going to spend the night with Sally or, you know, we're not going out on any dates anymore until you've been in rehab for 93 years or, you know, whatever. But you don't talk anymore. You move to limits and consequences. See, that's what Matthew 18 said. It said if we go and they listen, then we've won them over. But if they don't listen, then continue to bring it up for the next five years? No, it doesn't say that. It says exactly what Proverbs says. It says, go get a couple of more people. If there's a destructive pattern going on, then get a couple of people. This is why, you know, step one, maybe go see a counselor together. Or if it's work, other people experience that, a couple of you, you know, go on the team or get a manager or somebody and say, you know, we've, we've all had this experience. We want to talk to you about it because we can do better if we can. But you get a couple more. And then ultimately, what does it say? If they don't listen then, then maybe some situations you need an intervention. I've done a million interventions, and I've seen lives turn around. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes a person gets angry and walks out, and you say, you got a choice. You're not coming back home, but you can go to treatment, and we'll support you. And if you don't, then, you know, you're on your own. I've seen them get angry and accuse everybody in the room and walk out. And ultimately, as Matthew 18 says, sometimes the limit or the consequences is separation. I can't be around you until you decide to deal with this problem in extreme situations. But here's the point. It doesn't help to continue to talk to defensiveness. That's where we limit our exposure to the problem. That's what the Bible says over and over and over. There's no verse in the Bible that says, Blessed are the doormats, for they shall inherit the heels. That's, it's not in there. And a lot of people, see, that's the... John Townsend and I wrote a book called 12 Christian Beliefs That'll Make You Crazy. Because you hear a lot of Christianese, but when you read the scriptures, it cuts through a lot of that, that fog. So that's category two. Now here's one more thing about that. Remember I said you don't continue to talk about the problem. Sometimes foolish behavior. How many of you can admit to sometimes you get defensive? Anyone ever felt that? Okay. Come on, thank you. <laughs> this is my buddy over here. She's, she's going to make this, like, the real stuff come out. We all do, right? That's why I said we've all got this stuff in us. The trick is we want to always kind of be getting over in the wise category. Sometimes you're going to get defensiveness and pushback, and it's not coming out of arrogance or pride. It's coming out of woundedness for some people. I remember a woman saying, saying one time when, when she first got married, they're good friends of ours, she said, you know, when he would tell me something, I would just say, okay, I know you're divorcing me. And it might have been about, you know, where, where'd you leave the newspaper, right? Sometimes, sometimes 
you know, we do walk around with woundedness and things get triggered inside, inside, inside and a trigger or defensiveness. Sometimes, you know, when you feel that kind of rise up again, all that is is a signal on the dashboard that something feels dangerous to me. And we get defensive. We defend against danger. Well, sometimes the danger is coming from inside and sometimes somebody's getting defensive. Again, Scripture interprets Scripture. What does Proverbs tell us in and in other places? A soft answer can turn away wrath. Sometimes somebody gets defensive. See, we're not, it's still it's the same advice. We're not talking about the problem anymore. Now we're talking about the reaction. And we say, I'm, I'm sorry, was that upsetting? It seems like that hurt what I said. See, I'm not talking about the problem anymore. We're still forgetting defensive behavior, but we're not going to go immediately to limits. Sometimes we give empathy. And empathy with a wounded person, empathy makes the amygdala go back to sleep because it's on high alert. In fact, this is what the... I was talking about this one day in a leadership conference, and the guy walks up to me afterwards and, and said, so I'm the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. I go in when people are strapped to the bombs in the bank and they got 20 hostages. And he said, everything that you just talked about is exactly our program. See, they don't go in confronting. They go in with empathy. And they try to make a connection. Say, so how we get here today? Tell me your name. I'm Henry. They sent me here. Well, Tell me what's going on. And sometimes with defensiveness, just a little empathy can calm somebody down. But you'll know, you'll know when it won't. Because defensiveness can also be just foolishness, stubbornness, anger. And then we go to limits. We have to limit the exposure. Some of you are thinking about extended family members or people at work or whatever where you've tried and tried and it may be time to say, I'm not going not gonna to continue to talk, expecting different results. Then the third category is a different one. You know, fools don't try to hurt anybody for the most part. Addicts for the most part. They'll destroy families. They'll destroy teams, foolish behavior, people you can't give feedback to. But they're not really trying to hurt anybody. That's collateral damage. What they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid responsibility. The ownership hurts too much or something. The stopping the addiction they're trying to avoid taking responsibility for it. And in the course of that, they hurt a lot of people. Well, the third category, evil, that's a totally different deal. It, the Bible says that some people walk around with destruction as a motive in their hearts. They want to hurt people. And we say with wise people, what's the strategy? You talk to them because talking helps with fools. You stop talking about the problem and you go to limits and consequences. With somebody that's evil who's trying to hurt you, it's not talking, it's not limits and consequences. You go to a different strategy. 
what Warren Zavon called the great rock and roll singer. How many of you remember Warren Zavon? Come on, somebody. There you go. Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Remember that song? Yeah, he had this song. He said he goes to a gambling casino in Europe somewhere, and uh, he says, I went home with the waitress like I always do. How was I to know she was with the Russians too? Dad, send lawyers, guns, and money. Get me out of this. He's in deep danger. Somebody's after him. Lawyers, guns, and money. Why would we need to go to lawyers, guns, and money? What does that even mean? Well, here's what Proverbs says. If you're dealing with somebody that's literally trying to hurt you, and I've seen this in boardrooms. Somebody tries to resolve a problem and somebody stands up and says to the chairman of the board, it might be in a public company, I will bring you down in this whole place. I'm going to get you for this. And there is a destructive strategy. Lawyers, guns, and money. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that God has put the authority of the law over us to contain evil. And sometimes, sometimes... You might have to call an attorney and get a restraining order. Sometimes you might have to say to that person, from this point on, will only be talking through my attorney. You will have a legal protection. Here's what the proverb says. Proverbs 22 tells us that the prudent person sees evil and they hide themselves. You protect yourselves. What does it mean, guns? Sometimes... And there may be somebody listening to me. You might have to call the police. You might have to go to a shelter. You are in danger. And the last thing you want to do is try to have a conversation. And the last thing you want to do is say, I'm going to set some limits. What you need to do is escape because you're in danger. And you might have to spend a little money. You might have to call a lawyer or something or get a security system. Or do a, we have security system, but we also have spend a lot of money on dog food for a big Doberman, and she helps really when, you know, whatever you got to do. Now, most of you won't encounter that, but it needs to be in your toolbox of wisdom as Proverbs gives us. So, what have we said? Well, been in this series on Proverbs about wisdom of dealing with life, and he gives us these directional patterns so that it might always go well with us, as Moses told us. And what we said is that there are kind of three different kinds of behavior. We can find our, this in ourselves, or we can find it in others, but we need to know what to do when we see it. Find the wise people. You know, I think we have concentric circles in life. That's what Jesus did. He had a big community, then this community, then the religious community, and then the, you know, the 18 or 20 kind of, that you see the names all the time, that be kind of the close friends, and then the 12, and then the three, and then the one that he seemed to be the closest to was John, who also wrote all the abiding passages. That's not a coincidence. And so we can have a lot of fools in the outer circles, but you want your heart, you want to have some wise people around you that you can process life with. And when you see that, process it. But when you hit defensiveness, 
that issue's got to be addressed because you won't go further until that issue's addressed. And sometimes there can be a big turnaround. So I have a lot of hope for fools. I've seen a lot of foolish behavior change. And then if you're in danger, go protect yourself. Okay? So as always, let's begin with ourselves as we fall before him and say, God, help me to be wise. Show me where I'm defensive. Show me where I'm not open. Could be out of woundedness or just good old-fashioned pride. We have both. But I want to be an open person. Doesn't mean we have to wear the dress that somebody says wear. But at least we're going to have a stance of being on the planet as being open and listening. And give me the strength to deal with people in a redemptive way. Always in love for all three. But give me wisdom to know what to do. Okay? As the worship team comes up, I'm going to close us in prayer. And uh, that's it. Let's go to God. Father, I'm reminded once again, and we bow before you as the creator of life. Uh, your word is truth. It's a lamp unto our feet. It guides us. You made us, and you know how life works. And I just want to acknowledge that and thank you for it as we start, Lord, and lift up your name. I'm having a random thought, God, that I want to share. It's um, yesterday when I got in my car and I couldn't get something to work. And I sat there frustrated, poking the wrong buttons, watching all sorts of things turn on that I wasn't trying to turn on. And then a thought occurred to me, and that was, why don't I get open, open the glove compartment and open up the stupid owner's manual? And then... I found the answer. God, I'm thinking and I'm just thankful and we bow before you. Thank you for giving us the owner's manual. We're all looking for truth and wisdom and guidance. Thank you that you are the author of life and that you've given us your ways to walk in. And God, I pray that we might find them, that you might lead us to those verses and those examples that we need and we might be strengthened to ask you to be wise people and that you would strengthen us to become more open, less defensive, and then you would give us the strength also to be redemptive in our relationships when these other situations show up. And we thank you for your love and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name.